Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter from Slam Diego. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, hope you all had a great day. And, um, you know, it was a tough game for the Cardinals last night, as we saw, um, continuing a recent slump of a three-game losing streak, uh, just when stakes appear to be highest and all kinds of goals on the line. And, uh, I have a number of questions that uh, I'm going to pose I want you to think about too, and um, I'll give you my take on some of them. And you know, but I think at this point, uh, all of us are left wondering a number of things about the Cardinals and how they can snap out of this this three game skid. Um, where there are distinct parallels, for example, in all three games, there was startling news just prior to the game of superstar players out for the other team. Um, in the Rams case, it was Ramsey and Higby. And, you know, already, um, you know, Robert Woods was lost for the season. Um, so, you know, and then, uh, and then in, in the Lions game, that was kind of an anomaly, but they didn't have Fred Gragno and a bunch of their key starters. And, and then, um, Yesterday, of course, the news came in that not only was Quentin Nelson out um, <clears throat> and three of their starting offensive linemen, um, Darius Leonard, the prolific leader, all-pro um, linebacker of their defense, is also out. But I don't know if this gave the Cardinals a false sense of security or, you know, thinking, oh, they, they probably have a much better chance. But in all three cases um, – Obviously, that you know, whatever the Cardinals were thinking, um, they were not able to uh, to stand up to um, the pressure, um, and also to uh, they were not able to exploit three secondaries that were missing um, the majority of their starters or key starters. Put it that way, and that's something we want to talk about. Um, but uh, as I. Post on Twitter last night. It was Christmas. I'm not going to get negative on Christmas um, because uh, that's the my day of days and it's a day to be um, kind and uh, thoughtful. And, um, I'm not a big fan of my team playing on Christmas. Um, I don't know if we'll, Cardinals will play on Christmas again next year, but um, <clears throat> you know it's kind of a day that I prefer to spend differently. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, and I wanted to go into the game just trying to enjoy every bit of it that I could and not get too wound up. But I got wound up, like I'm sure the majority of you did, um, because it's just the frustration is mounting and the questions abound. And I'm going to get right to the questions after I just um, explain what I tweeted out last night was instead of you know dwelling on the loss i decided to peek ahead and you know the the fact is that the cardinals still very much have a chance to win the nfc west 
I know that's hard to imagine right now because they're in a skid, but if they win out and the Rams lose one of their three games, the Cardinals will win the NFC West. Um, and, and the Rams have three uh, formidable opponents um, coming up themselves. So, And the Cardinals don't have it easy going to Dallas and then at home versus the Seahawks. You know, that's those are going to be two tough games, but they've got to be better prepared. Um, and one would think that Kyler will be especially motivated to go out to Dallas um, as he was last year. Um, so that's a that's going to be uh, fascinating to see um, whether the Cardinals can rebound on the road where they've been so good all year. I mean, after yesterday's loss, they've lost four straight at home. They're three and four at home and 10 and five on the season. But there are other scenarios in which the Cardinals can win the NFC West is if the Rams drop two games and the Cardinals win, um, you know, one of their two games, uh, then that's going to get the Cardinals in. Um, I think they particularly need to win the Seahawks game to um, win the division record. Um, and then there's six wild scenario. What, what if the Rams lose all three? If the Rams lose all three, then uh, Cardinals are in, have won the division. Um, so that's still a goal that's very well in, in sight. And, um, you know, and the other thing is, here's, here's the thing about what the Cardinals are facing is, you know, with a young head coach and with a young quarterback, um, you know, there's something about sports that I think we all need to appreciate and understand. I mean, the Cardinals aren't talked about in the way that the Packers and the Bucks and perennial winners are now that the Bucks have Brady um, in the sense that, you know, they're not experienced in being the chased op opponent. Um, and there's a lot to that. I mean, look at the way Aaron Rodgers staved off the Browns yesterday. I mean, there's a calmness. There's a way, you know, when you're used to being the one who's being chased rather than having to constantly be the chaser, there's a there's a mentality to that, and there's a psychology to that, and there's a experience factor to that that uh, that that can be critical. And and you know these are learning lessons that the young Cardinals are are needing to make. And let's be real; I mean, they're missing so many key players that they need to adjust and, and find a way to win without. Starting with J.J. Watt, who the Cardinals are. Now um, three and five without him, um, and hopefully, I mean, he's—I know he's trying to get doing everything he can to get back on the field, which would be a huge boost for the Cardinals. And then, of course, DeAndre Hopkins—we um, know that that's had a ripple effect on the on the team's offense and on Kyler Murray, and of course, the center Rodney Hudson. These are the key additions the Cardinals have made to not only improve their play on the field, but improve their leadership. And having him out again yesterday for the second straight game uh, was very difficult, as we saw, um, because, you know, suddenly snapping the football, I shouldn't say suddenly, because this has been a consistent issue with Kyler Murray. Um, he's feeling, fooling no one but his own offensive linemen. Um, with his staggering snaps. And you know, a few fans and I were saying that we believe Cardinals should go to a silent count 
um, to snap the ball <clears throat> and um, do away with the hand claps uh, and just this just waiting, waiting, waiting for the snap and everyone getting anxious. And I mean, snaps was the first thing that I talked about last week after the Detroit game. That was something that you had to clean up. And uh, they did not, obviously. Uh, Cliff Kernsbury said that the safety was a turning point in the game. I thought it was, too. But um, there were other turning points we'll get to. Uh, but, you know, those are things, that, you know, in week 16 of an NFL season, you have to worry about the snap. That's something seriously wrong. And, um, you know, Max Garcia was was uh, given a pro ball nod. Um uh, as and I think the reason why he was was they were looking for, um, you know, good combo utility um, guard slash centers because in the Pro Bowl you only have a reduced roster and you need backups who can play at multiple positions and that's what Garcia gives you and um, you know but obviously Garcia has had his moments of struggles with snapping the football and that has been costly. Um, but certainly not the only thing that's been costly for the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the, uh, the offsides penalties. The, now we're getting um, defensive pass interference penalties that we weren't getting earlier in the year. Um, roughing the passer penalties that could have been avoided, um, particularly from Chandler Jones, who was trying, working his edge real hard last night. He was coming with, with a burst, but um, but you just can't compound these issues um, by incurring these 15-yard drive um, extending uh, penalties. So we have to understand that. But let's get to the questions that I have. And I'm interested, you know, I hope that you can chime in on Revenge of the Birds when I post this today or ask, you know, generate a conversation with me on Twitter. I will be happy to um, interact with any of you um, if you have questions or comments or um, because I know we're all frustrated and I know we all want answers. The first and most glaring question is uh, what's going on with Kyler? And, you know, I wrote an article last week where I said if Kyler continues to struggle, play Colt. And the reason why I did that was I, I didn't feel like Kyler is right um, physically and mentally. He just doesn't look himself. And, um, you know, it showed up again last night. Uh, anyways, he, he, he mounted a first quarter drive that unfortunately ended in a missed field goal. We'll talk about that later down the road. Um, but then struggled throughout the rest of the first half. Then he mounts a great TD drive with a superb, um, you know, TD, uh, that break, gets the Cardinals ahead 13 to 12. And so now at this point, we're starting to think, oh, boy, this is turning in our favor, except that the defense gets a great stop. And offense gets the ball back. And to me, the turning point was Kyler um, inexplicably on that next series, missing three passes that normally, you know, most quarterbacks are going to make. Or it's the first one, at least, was – narrowly an intercept nearly an interception again which has been plaguing kyler in early portions of the third quarter and while this drive was an interception it was a three and out at you know, at a time when 
the Cardinals could really put pressure on the Colts and try to get, if they got up by eight, for example, or at least if they got up by four um, and got a field goal out of this drive, they can keep momentum. But, you know, there was the, the force pass into Ertz that was nearly, you know, like that uh, a Colt, I think speed got a hand on. Um, and then uh, fortunately that was not intercepted or tipped to someone, but, and then on a just simple outpass to AJ Green, who had been largely ignored in this game, which is also a wonder with the Colts secondary being, um, you know, uh, depleted of, uh, you know, Rock Sin was out. I mean, they, they had opportunities to exploit, exploit these corners, and Green was wide open. And now that's a throw you got to throw on his break. Kyler was late throwing it again like he was last week, only not as bad, and it wasn't as far out. But, you know, he threw it down and away, and, you know, now it's third and long, and boom, misfire again, and three and out, punting. And then wouldn't you know the Colts, they come right down and take the lead again. And then the Cardinals try to fight back and get in field goal position, and Kyler mounts a drive. And with Chase Edmonds playing so well, but it wasn't he, he just terrific last night. And and then the field goal again, um, missed, hit, blinked off the uprights. That would have given the Cardinals a, a, one, a one point lead again in the fourth quarter. I mean, these are opportunities that when you squander them, they're so demoralizing, obviously. And the Colts. You know, the Colts are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. They're five and two on the road, by the way. They're 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 road warriors as well, and, and they are so well coached. Um, Frank Reich, I mean, I've rarely seen a coach out coach Bill Belichick before, um, the way that he did the previous week. And I know the Cardinals watched that game from their hotel room and I think it's one of the reasons why they've struggled against Detroit because I think they were, they all went to sleep thinking about the Colts and got distracted. And, and who could blame them? I mean, let's face it: the Cardinals are now had now played their third game in 13 days. I mean, they're, you try as an athlete to cope with that mentally and physically, and I think part it, it makes you want to hope for an easy game so you you know kind of save some of yourself because six days later you're playing on Christmas day, you know, and at home in a big, huge game and against the opponent, you just saw dominate the number one seed in the, in the AFC in the Patriots. Um, and in fashion, in a just amazing fashion with Jonathan Taylor. Um, but you need to know, I think Kyler has some sort of a brace going on. I you need to know what his status is physically and what his status is mentally. And I, I, you know, I'm going to take the risk of being honest here. I, sometimes with Kyler's decision-making, like showing up at the stadium in an Oakland, his Oakland A's jersey, um, you know, I'm a, I picked all my teams when I was, you know, eight years old in 1963. And my football team, obviously, was because of Larry Wilson. I fell in love with the Cardinals. And on the flip side, I fell in love with the Oakland A's because I was um, a huge A's fan, Catfish Hunter, um, and uh, loved that the A's were the first team to wear white spikes. You know, when you're an eight-year-old kid, you, you just fall in love with stuff like that, and then Campy Campanaris. You know, and I'm an A's fan, and i got to tell you, it gives me absolutely no pleasure 
as an A's fan to see Kyler Murray in an Oakland A's jersey. Um, you know, he he dissed the, the A's big time. I mean, he gave him assurances that he would play baseball, and then we all know the story. Um, but then, on the flip side, I mean, Kyler has said this year he'd love to play both sports. I mean, he can't play both sports. I mean, he's toying with our heads when he shows up and does something like this. I mean, I, I understood it when he went to the Warriors game and wears, wore an A's cap, um, you know, to salute the A's. That might have been a different scenario. But now, you know, showing up at Christmas Day in an A's uniform and an A's jersey just is a mind-boggling decision on his point. And it makes you nervous. I mean, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, if he flipped on the A's, could he flip on the Cardinals? Um, and, you know, and I asked my good pal Trish, who I was watching the game with last night, I, I asked her, does Kyler to you look like he's really enjoying football? She said, no. You know, and, and I think this is what, you know, Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton and other, and, and uh, you know, Kurt Warner, who's, who's been kind about it, but I think they're all to a man wondering what is going on with Kyler, his body language, um, you know, and, you know, it just looks like he's fighting everything and everything he's making everything so extra hard. Um, and so I did write that article last week and the response was overwhelming. Like no way should, you know, Colt McCoy play if Kyler's available to play I get all that, and typically I would agree. But in the games, you know, the Kyler's one and four now since, you know, in games he played since the Watt injury, since going seven and oh. I mean, it's not played well in those games. It, in Chicago, he played well within, you know, within himself and handled the elements. And, but other than that, the other four losses have been um, struggles. Colt McCoy on the flip side was two and one without Watt, without um, DeAndre Hopkins and won two of the biggest games of the season for the Cardinals. They would not be in a position right now to win the NFC NFC West with a four and one NFC West record. If he didn't go on the road and beat the Niners and the Seahawks in, um, in smooth and just efficient, um, error-free fashion um and he provided a calmness i thought and a steadiness i don't think he had rodney hudson in at least one of those games either so um i'm sure of that and then um you know but he just settles everything down and you know it makes you wonder at this point uh whether you know that's what the cardinals need on offense they need a stabilizer i mean right now it's just a frenzy and, you know, everything is just all these just moving parts. And, you know, and Kyler's, he's developing a rapport with Zach Ertz, which is great. Um, but what else? Does he have an, a rapport still with Christian Kirk? They have to ask that question because, you know, there were misfires there. And Kirk, you needed Kirk to step up big time last night, and that didn't happen. He didn't get, uh, you know, um, you know, he had nine targets, seven catches for 48 yards, 6.9. That's not a lot of yards per, per catch. Right. And, uh, 
you know, Ertz had 13 targets and Edmonds who had 71 yards had nine targets. But other than that, AJ Green was targeted only three times in the game and had one catch for 33 yards. Uh, Wesley was targeted twice and both could have been touchdowns. God, what a great almost TD he had on the second one. Great on the first one and, and even better on the second one, just inches from getting his feet in. So that's encouraging. And then, um, you know, but uh, the rapport is not quite there, which you would imagine. Um, I don't know that, whether that's from weeks lost for Kyler with his ankle. Um, but, you know, there's talent there on that side of the ball. And, you know, Agent Green, I mean, one catch in the game, it just seems in a game where the Colts secondary is their weakness at this point, um, it just seems sort of mind-numbing. Um, and so, uh, but something's got to be figured out with Kyler. I don't know if he's nursing an injury that we don't know about or, you know, on some of his throws last night, it looked like he was laboring a little bit. That was that tough, uh, you know, last throw to AJ green, um, on that fourth down where green was wide open over the middle. I mean, that was just way, way, no, there was no chance at all completing that pass Tyler was moving backwards when he threw it too but uh you know um and that's a play that Kyler's actually connected on a couple times this year but it just wasn't there and um as I said I think Kyler would be very motivated to go into Dallas and turn things around so hopefully he gets himself right um this week and the one other thing I'll add and you know you may find this ticky tack and that's fine with me if you do but i'm just being honest with myself when i react to things you know i got a question about giving his offensive line golf clubs in the middle of a of a um you know title chase i mean golf clubs are for the off season man i mean why couldn't he just say look i have your gifts coming they're gonna arrive at the end of the season um, hold on, it'll be, you'll be much surprised, you know. But, but you know, the symbolism of that just feels off to me. I mean, uh, you know, other quarterbacks are giving their their guys scooters and to help them get to practice, you know. And Kyler's done that; he's given his guys school scooters and everything. But the mindset of hey, I'm going to get these guys golf clubs at this time of the year. It just symbolically seems like another poor decision to me. Not the decision to get him golf clubs, just the decision to give them to him now. Um, and then they had that putting green in the locker room and everything. I mean, it just it just didn't feel right to me. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I look at the symbolism of things and gestures, and that one just struck me as very curious. And, um, you know, on the, on the same breath down the hall, Chase Edmonds is saying, you know, saying to the media and rightfully so, and God, I love this guy. You know, we folded last year and, um, you know, we've got to make sure we do everything to not repeat that. And, you know, yesterday didn't, you know, Chase came and played his A game, but a lot of, you know, his teammates didn't. And uh, it was tough. I mean, you know, part of it was just just so many squandered opportunities and so many mistakes. 
I said in my one thing I said as a fact in my tweet is that yesterday and for throughout most of this three game slide, the Cardinals are a mistake waiting to happen in all three phases. Um, and it's just nerve wracking. Uh, they're making mistakes that they did not make early in the season. They're not playing with the same level of, of confidence and poise. And, um, you know, they got to find a way to get that back. Uh, but uh, the offensive line, my biggest question now is, you know, why Josh Jones at right guard? He's not really a guard when you have Sean Harlow, who is a guard. And I thought Harlow has been the best replacement guard we've had this year, including Max Garcia. I think Harlow has um, acquitted himself very well. I mean, he's a natural guard. Josh Jones is out of position there. Um, and, you know, Jones with the three offsides penalties just really, really hurt. Um, and he's done that repeatedly this year. I think that, you know, and here's the thing about the Cardinals. I don't know. Here's my question. seems like they run their depth chart like, well, if Pugh's playing, Harlow's his backup, so forget about starting Harlow at right guard. On the depth chart, the backup at right guard was Josh Jones. But, you know, how about putting your best five players out there, best accustomed? I mean, that's would be a change that I'd make, and there's no reason why Harlow can't play right guard. None. Absolutely none. And, um, you know, so... And they do that on the defensive side of the ball, too. Um, we'll talk about that when we get over to the defensive side. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the Cardinals did a pretty good job of, of uh, you know, protecting Kyler last night um, despite that. But um, And also the Cardinals, you won't believe this, but they won the rushing yards. 133 to 126, largely because of Kyler's 57-yard run and and Chase Chase Edmonds 56 yards on 16 carries. Um, but still, you know, who would have thought the Cardinals could win the rushing totals in this game and hold Jonathan Taylor to 108 yards at 4.0 was cool. And we'll talk about that. But sticking with the offense and finishing up with the offenses. Uh, you know, moving forward, back in earlier in the made the Cardinals so good was the way that they were able to distribute the ball evenly to a host of receivers. And they got to get back to doing that. They got to get back to feeling out which matchups are going to really help them and, uh, you know, um, and exploit. And I'm not sure that they're really, you know, seeing the, the personnel and the um, opponents as well as they could. I think there are certain players they can exploit, especially with, you know, there being um, a, uh, you know, and some teams are being depleted. Most teams are depleted right now. The Cardinals are without Robert Alford. And now, unfortunately, Marco Wilson, I don't know, hopefully he's going to be okay. Um, he took a, you know, shot to the shoulder. and We'll see what happens um, this week with him. But you know, this is the time of year where some secondaries are getting really banged up, and you know you've you've got opportunities there to try to um, win matchups, and the Cardinals can do that better certainly. And I still don't understand why don't they don't move Kyler around um, and shift the pockets um, to give him better sight and to 
keep the defense guessing and to ro- roll away from you know a guy like DeForest Buckner, or, you know Aaron Donald, you know set up the the pocket a little outside the tackle where you can block down and seal that edge. And I don't really understand that. Um, and the bootlegs, you know, Kyler on a bootleg would be so difficult to handle. That game could be, uh, you know, um, a real boon for the Cardinals. So moving forward, we hope, you know, I, I hope they start realizing that when you move part Kyler around, you're going to make it put so much more pressure on the defense than them having to know Kyler's at the back of the pocket every play. Shifting over to the defense, um, like I said, it was kudos to the Cardinals to hold the Colts to 3.8 yards per carry on 126 yards total. Um, And that's minus the one big play that Taylor had. You know, that's including the one big play, 43 yards on his first carry of the game. From that point on, the Cardinals held them with less than 100 yards. But it was at a cost. And here's the thing with the Vance Joseph defense. The good news is, is the Cardinal Vance dialed up great blitz, run blitz schemes, particularly with Buda Baker, who Buda Baker was a Christmas star. He was the best defensive player on the field last night for both teams. He was outstanding. He was everywhere. He was ubiquitous. And he was tackling like a pro like like you know uh, he, he generally and typically does and wow what a boost he gave the cardinals defense the problem is you know, and so it's good that we saw that that uh, vance has can dial up these run blitz schemes and bottle up a guy like jonathan taylor now let's also remind ourselves that the Colts were without four of their offensive linemen starting, which in itself, in some ways, makes the outcome of this game even more frustrating because of, you know, unfortunately, just weren't able to get to Carson Wentz enough. And here's where Vance Joseph's defense is, is vulnerable, is that, you know, he's to defend the run. It just, you know, these soft zones behind it, um, uh, were just porous. I mean, how many times did they give Carson Wentz a wide open receiver? I mean, and this happened last week in Detroit as well. I mean, the zones that were working earlier in the year, um, even against the Titans when they were trying to defend Derrick Henry, are not working now. And there's miscommunications, there's wide open areas. Again, we see uh, a, a huge play, you know, like you have Carson Wentz in a hole like with like second and 19 and he throws a 20-yard pass to Pittman who's wide open. And who's the closest guy near him is Marcus Golden. And again, we went through this last week when Kennard got beat, when Chandler Jones got beat. And this is the biggest question that I have is that, you know, can Steve Kime and Vance Joseph, I mean, can Steve Kime ever get three, four linebackers right? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Kime's drafting of Zayvon Collins, I think, was one of the best moves he's ever made. Because he recognized, I mean, this guy, Zayvon Collins, is a stud. And why he isn't playing is beyond the realm of 
of imagination. I mean, Zayvon Collins was the Bronco Nagurski winner. He was the Chuck Benderick winner. He was the Lombardi Award winner. He was an uh, all, you know, unanimous All-American first team. Same as Isaiah Simmons Simmons was. And Simmons won the Butkus Award. I mean, Simmons is 6'4", 239, and he runs a 4.39. Collins is 6'5", 260, and he runs a 4.66 at that size. That is awesome. That's awesome physical talent. And I don't blame Steve Kahn for saying we've drafted this guy to put with Isaiah Simmons to have like a you know two tree two trees in the middle of our defense. We're going to be hard to pass over. We're going to step up and make tackles. They're going to play physical. They're going to play fast. And you know, I mean, we're seeing Joe Walker, Joe Walker playing in front of Zayvon Collins, and at times last night in front of Isaiah Simmons. And there's only one reason. I mean, Joe Walker tried like heck to play well last night, and I give him credit for his hustle. But he was never a Dick Butkus winner or a Bronco Nagurski winner. Let's just be honest. He's not the physical presence. doesn't have the physical presence and talent. The reason why Joe Walker is in there is because Bill Davis, Billy Davis, had him in Philly. And then, of course, he had Jordan Hicks in Philly. And now, to Hicks' credit, Hicks played a little better last night. He actually made a good tackle line of scrimmage. We haven't seen too many, too much of um, this season um, on Jonathan Taylor with a really nice stop. We need more of that out of him. But what this says is, all right, these guys know what I want. But I can't coach Collins and Simmons to do what I want. Well, I call BS. Because that is just bogus, and it's an insult to football intelligence to think that Joe Walker is giving you a better chance to win than Zayvon Collins or Isaiah Simmons. It's just no way comprehensible for anyone to understand that. And here's the problem with, with, with the Cardinals and players that they draft and then don't play. I mean, imagine how better Isaiah Simmons would be this year if they played him more last year, right? Okay, so you're giving snaps last year to Devondre Campbell, who's no, who's one and done. I mean, you double drafted at the position, you had him in as a free agent for a one-year contract. Then it's just Simmons falls to your lap, and you get Simmons. So now you have to say to yourself, well, are we really just going to you know, try to give Campbell the majority of the snaps and make Simmons wait to develop him or, you know, or not. And so, and now what is, what is Campbell doing? Green Bay um, and having his best season as a pro. So, you know, you double draft into positions where you already have a free agent. You spent 8 million on Campbell last year. I mean, if that's the case, you want to play Campbell and you have to play Hicks because he's the coach's favorite. Had him in Philly and Vance Joseph doesn't seem to mind that Hicks doesn't really step up to make tackles. Although we'll make him out, you know, eight, nine yards, ten yards. You know, okay, well then you put Isaiah somewhere else. And uh, you can't just 
waste these guys on the bench. And so think of it now. You're giving valuable snaps to Joe Walker with Zayvon Collins standing on the sidelines. It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, absolutely none. And uh, Van Joseph said this week, oh, well, Zayvon's not playing because he's a backup. I mean, who's... Hello? Hello? Who's he going to replace? <laughs> well, he can give Hicks a break. Vance Joseph and Bill Davis conceded after last year. We played Hicks way too much, made too many snaps. You can take Zavin in and work him in with Hicks. And why can't you play him next to Hicks? And if your answer to that is back to the old, well, Josh Jones is the backup on the on the uh, depth chart behind the right guard, and Zavin Collins is only the backup to to um, Hicks at Mike, then, oh, my goodness. I mean, do you have no creativity whatsoever to get this stud of an athlete? And what you're doing is you're ruining these guys mentally. I mean, these guys are used to balling. These guys are used to competing. And you're having them stand over there on the sidelines and relegate them to special teams, as they did with Simmons last year, mostly in the beginning, and mostly even, you know, it took him till the last few games to play Simmons on a more regular basis. It's just mind-boggling. And I have to admit, it does not give me confidence moving forward with Vance Joseph or Bill Davis unless they change this, unless they change the memo of this defense. And maybe they found something last night in being able to defend the run. That may be great moving forward and towards the playoffs if the Cardinals can clinch and get in there. because But then... You can't combine that. You can't, you know, here's the other thing about a Van Joseph defense. It seems like he always sells out for one and leaves the other vulnerable. Like if he's selling out to defend the pass, then the Cardinals are easy to run against. If he's selling out against the run, then the Cardinals are easy to pass against where they leave guys wide open. And how many times, I mean, you know, with Goff, how many times were guys wide open on the Lions? With yesterday and Stafford, how many times? Well, Cooper Cup was open wide all all day. I mean, how many times were guys? And so was Beckham. And how many times were was Pittman open? And then you know, my goodness. I mean, and you know, with Byron Murphy now out on the boundary, he struggled two games in a row. The boy that would a costly um, holding penalty he had, pass interference, whatever you want to call it. On, um, uh, you know, on uh, T.Y. Hilton when he didn't have to, I mean, he didn't have to. He's right there next to him. And there's no reason to hold him in that situation. Had his back to the ball, and that's the one play where Chandler Jones got the strip sack. And Cardinals got the ball back. Oh, that just rips you. And then what happened to Murphy on, in the goal line when, uh, Hilton crossed his face. I mean, it's easy Pop Warner football. If you're playing in the middle of a defense on the goal line and it's a pass play and a player's running a crosser and he's trying to cross your face, you, you cover him. And he just stood there and then looked around and did a Pat Peterson of like pointing to other guys like, no, 
No, I can tell you this right now. There is no way that Murphy wasn't supposed to cover T.Y. Hilton on that case. Otherwise, you're not covering anybody. And he was Hilton was the only man in the area, and you have to dog him. I mean, Jalen Hop, Jalen Thompson dogged um, Desmond, you know, Palman later in the game. It took a like pinpoint pass. You know, Jalen Thompson stayed with 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 Patman, excuse me, Desmond Patman, um, and ran as hard as he could to cover him. And there was a tight, tight window. And kudos to Wentz, who's playing really good football these days, um, to thread it right in there. Um, so you know, um, it, it, that was a tough, tough break. Um, but at least on that play, you can say to yourself, well. Kudos to Jim Thompson for busting his butt to try to be there to cover that play. But, you know, on the other ones, you know, with the the first TD to T.Y. Hilton all along, that, that was really tough to take. And it was reminiscent of the week before in Detroit. It's just, it's very, very frustrating. And, you know, if your defense coordinator is going to map out plays where you're giving the other quarterback these wide open throws, which will get them in a rhythm and give them some confidence when you're pressuring them pretty good. You know, it doesn't speak well, you know, your ability to win close football games anytime you do that. And in, in reverse, I mean, look at it this way. I mean, how often were the Cardinals receivers wide, wide open yesterday ever? I mean, on the reverse side, the Colts are, you know, banged up in the secondary, but their guys are playing pesky coverage whether they were man or zone they're picking up their men and playing them i mean all pretty much the cardinals catches yet last last night were contested the big misfire was kirk not getting two hands up on the fade pass on a key third down where they went long on it and kyler threw a perfect pass <laughs> absolutely perfect and i don't know what was possessed uh, christian kirk to go up with one hand um, to try to catch that pass because he could have basket ca caught it, kept his feet in. That would have been a huge play in the game. But look at the coverage on that play. Uh, it The coverage was so good. It was a tight there. And kudos to Kyler. He got it in there um, perfectly. But unfortunately for Kirk, who's unfortunately continues to be inconsistent, we need more consistency from him, especially now. Um, and hopefully he bounces back and, you know, in Texas where he played at A&M and, and, you know, back against the Cowboys next week, he had a good game against them last time. So hopefully he can, you know, pick it up and, and get back on track. But there's the big difference in this game is that the Colts receivers who were left wide open versus the Cardinals receivers who were dogged all, all day. And, uh, yeah, made a big difference. So, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And then, of course, the question is with Matt Prater on special teams. You know, is this mental for him, or is you know, yes, he's got a new holder. The question I have is, you know, we've seen Ryan Winslow hold before. Um, you know, he's played enough with the Cardinals. He's done it in games when Lee's been out, um, and he's looked fine doing it. I mean, why are you snapping to Colt McCoy, 
who's never who's never been a holder in a football game in his entire career in the NFL. Um, I mean, it's not in vogue to have backup quarterbacks doing that anymore, so it's not necessarily his fault. But an experienced holder is not going to leave, you know, staring right on. This is twice now that Prater has had to kick the football, and once with Andy Lee, actually, where, um, you know, the, the laces were smack dab in his face. It doesn't mean automatically mean you're going to miss the ball, but let's face it, it was a long field goal. It was a 52-yarder. And in that situation, I was kind of surprised that Cliff uh, didn't go for it on fourth and short there. Just because, you know, we Andy Lee was out. And let's, you know, and typically maybe what I think has happened to Cliff, here's a question I have about Cliff, is that maybe he heard the noise from that, from, you know, people saying go for the field goal early in games. But I don't know in that scenario if that's the best place to, you know, go go for it when you know you have a brand new holder and and uh and it's fourth and short early in the game. Um and you've got this momentum going and a good drive going. Uh would have liked to have seen him go for that one. And my other question about Cliff was I just don't maybe he heard the noise from the TV crew the week before or the in the Rams game that he should have kicked the field goal first and then tried an onside to get it, then try to go for a touchdown. Um, I have no idea why on third down and where are you on the 14-yard line, you don't take another shot at the end zone at least. I mean, I know there's 52 seconds left or whatever. You're up against the clock, but the harder thing to get in that scenario in a two-score game is the touchdown, and you're knocking on the door. And, uh, you know, Wesley giving you a touchdown. You know, why? Why don't you take at least another shot? Because it makes it a moot point if, you know, you're out of timeouts. And, you know, with even with 52 seconds left, you know, um, you kick the field goal, and now there's 48 seconds left. How are you going to score a touchdown in 48 seconds without, like, a Hale Murray or something? Um, I don't understand that at all. And, you know, but I don't think Cliff is the problem to tell you the truth. Um, I think that the players are, uh, are not focused the way that they should be. They're not disciplined. And yes, you can say the coach should make it uncomfortable for these players. And I know Cliff enough, Cliff well enough to know that he's on them. But at the end of the day, these guys are pros. They got to play like it. And um, you know, Cliff knows he's got to improve some aspects of his play calling and game management. And it's a work in progress, and it's going to take him a little time. As I wrote in my article, the importance of Tyler and Cliff, and Cliff and Kyler moving forward. I mean, the possibility of having stability at the two most important. Um, spots on a football team and the head coach and the quarterback is so um, encouraging. Um, but, you know, I know Cliff is getting a lot of gruff. The AZ Central people are on him every week posting rants against his coaching um, and shamings. Uh, 
I, I find that really uh, troublesome because, you know, I mean, put it this way, for the past two weeks, all we've been hearing and, and so many from the media locally, not just nationally, are Cliff and Kyler bashings. And how's that worked? How do they look? How did they look last night? I mean, they hear it. The noise becomes deafening. And Kyler looked yesterday like he was trying to keep us, you know, happier face on throughout, you know, the difficulties of this game and didn't look like himself. Um, I think he's been hearing the whole leadership thing and he's probably at odds with himself. But I know one thing about anyone in any profession is if you're not yourself and, you know, people are going to know it, you have to be yourself. And, you know, Kyler gets really down on himself and that's something he has to learn to improve. But that's what experience is all about. And, you know, this is a great experience for him playing in these, you know, playoff scenarios where you got to clinch for playoffs. Sometimes getting over that hump, as we can see, is really difficult. I mean, let me tell you this. One of the hardest things to do in sports, and I think you know this, is close out games, close out seasons. Um, you know, how many of you are baseball fans? I mean, how hard is it to close out a baseball game these days? I mean, I don't know about you, but if you're up 3-1 heading into the eighth inning, I don't know if you're sitting comfortable in your easy, lazy boy feeling good about the game, even though your starter's been cruising along, but now he's at 100 pitches. I mean, closing out games, close games, is always a huge challenge. And then getting over certain humps, like, you know, the playoff stigma right now with clinching playoff games for the Cardinals, um, you know, is a bit of a hump right now. But you know what? For a young, a young, young quarterback, and now a mostly young team because the veterans have been falling off to injuries. Um, you know, it's a learning experience. And to think that they can be masters of it first, you know, the first couple few times around is probably not realistic. But here's the good news is once they get over that hump and they get used to the fact that they're the ones being chased rather than chasing and get more accustomed to how to handle that, um, you know, in terms of focus and discipline, they're going to be better and stronger for it and more, more prepared, more equipped to handle it. So, um, you know, there's so much frustration right now, and I really get that. But I also wonder, I think it's how you treat your players. It's how you treat your coaches. I mean, I think that they need our support now. Um, I've been talking about that. I think they need it. I mean, if we're just going to, you know, people are just going to wring their hands, rid their hands of them and shame them. You know, if they think that shaming people in the media, I mean, in social on social media or in the media as writers is a way to motivate, uh, you're not in tune with this, this generation. And in a way, it's rightfully so. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I've never, I'm from the older generation, but those who've tried to shame me on jobs really, you know, hurt my morale. 
to the point at times of wanting to just say, why am I doing this? And you, that's what we don't want with Kyler. We want him retiring the A's jersey, coming to the games with a Cardinals, you know, hoodie on and, you know, digging in and can be here for years. Um, but I dare say uh, you can treat this young man better than what he's been treated. Some of you will argue, well, he's brought it upon himself. I don't know if I agree with that, and uh, I I get the frustration where that's concerned. But Kyler needs to be Kyler, and Lord knows he's one of the most gifted quarterbacks we've ever laid eyes on. He's got the whole package. The mental part of the game is is going to come, but you know, he hasn't played that much football. I mean, in in several years, I mean, he only played one full year of college football and turned it into a Heisman. I mean, you got to give him kudos for that. He was, you know, unbeatable at Allen High School, 42-0, and 0, where he's heading home to this week. You know, he's going to be highly motivated. But, you know, the losing is an adjustment for him, um, as it is for anyone who's typically been on teams that win. Um, that's All of this is a learning experience, and Kyler is very capable of – of growing and learning from this, but we got to let him be Kyler and, um, you know, let him be the competitor that he is and help him to work his way through, which, which right now is, is one of the, um, is a deep slide, um, a slump that, uh, you know, this team, I think can turn around if they get uh, refocused, regenerized and realize they're, their uh, some of their main goals are right out there, still um, very much within their reach if they take care of their own business. So I think it will be fascinating to see how they try to bounce back versus the Cowboys. And you know, personnel-wise, I hope that the Cardinals put their best people on the field um, and find a way to you know maximize their athleticism um, moving forward so that. You know, young players aren't missing valuable snaps, and that'd be a goal. I'd love to see these guys play, like Zayvon Collins, and um, you know, Sean Harlow would would be good a good fit at right guard. And I think that Josh Jones is going to be a really, really good right tackle um, when Beach retires, and um, and or if we need him, uh, you know, as to be the swing tackle. I think that's where his niche is, and. He's got loads of talent there. So um, that's pretty much what I have for this week. Uh, oh, happy holidays to all of you. I, I, I know last night was tough. And, you know, as I say, you know, let's, let's talk about this. Let me hear your thoughts um, on Revenge of the Birds. Let me hear your, or on Twitter at WBJ Mitch. And let's try to solve this together, but let's try to stay committed to, you know, we're still a 10 and 5 football team. I mean, that looks awfully nice to me coming off of what we've been through the last few years. And they're on the verge of making the playoffs, which should be exciting. And who knows? I was going to say, based on how the results go on Sunday and Monday, the Arizona Cardinals may clinch a playoff spot this weekend. They absolutely might. And, you know, that's not the way they wanted to get in. They wanted to clinch it themselves. And how better than to do it on Christmas? But. But now that that you know they weren't able to get that done, 
there's still two regular season games left that are of of huge significance, and um, they still have you know can control quite a bit of what happens to them, and you know they get their ticket into the playoffs. Who knows? You know what can happen once they you know maybe it'll help them relax a little bit or slow down. They're just everything's so frantic. Slow, slow down. That's that they always talk about this getting this game to slow down for you. And when you're super amped up and anxious at times, you know, like my great dear grandmother used to say, haste makes waste. And it does. And I think the Cardinals are a victim of their own haste. They're just, you know, too anxious at this point. They got to slow down, focus and just, you know, do the things that, uh, win football games um, within um, a discipline that wins football games. I still have high hopes for these Cardinals, and I hope that you do too. I have to commend the Red Sea last night. The noise in there was fantastic. You guys were amazing. You've tried everything you could to will the team to win. and Please don't give up faith. Um, come a long way. And, you know, it feels like myth of Sisyphus. Uh, Every time the Cardinals roll the ball up close to the top of the hill, it rolls back down to the bottom. But, you know, it's not back at the bottom. Um, it slipped a little yesterday, but there's still a chance to roll this big boulder up to the top, where and if they get it to the top, the red rain could shower down on all of you and the Cardinals into a red, red sea. Red rain.